We're the Cullies, and we decided to sell everything and move on to a boat. Are you recording? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't say that. All right. Well, for now, we're going to drop anchor, make ourselves comfortable, and tell you a story. This is episode 30 of the Drop Anchor Podcast. King Tides. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Kendra. So what are we talking about this time, Kendra? I don't know, but I just feel like I have to say that I'm wheezy so that I don't sound weird and people are like, oh, what's wrong with her? I'm just wheezy. Kendra has asthma, everybody, <laughs> and she tries to not use her inhaler because it makes her heart race and makes her all jittery. So I try to push of, through. Instead of her suffering by herself, wow, she's going to make all of us suffer. <laughs> You just look like a big jerk in front of everybody. You did that to yourself. Oh, uh, you gonna be okay? Yes. Okay. If we have to stop for my inhaler, I will tell you. Yep. All right. Well, I think what we were originally going to do is kind of go over what we were going to do last week, but didn't get to because we had a an interruption to our episode. But and I think that the weeks just plan out themselves. Yeah. Like when we go to plan an episode, why should we? The weeks bring their own thing. Yeah. The only thing that's kind of a bummer is that sometimes the thing that's the most exciting thing to talk about happened like literally 24 hours ago, as opposed to like having a week to plan what we might talk about. This just ended up happening. I don't even remember what we were going to talk about. Uh, we were going to talk about like boats growing up, like all the different. Oh, you mean like the weird boat that you had that you patched together when we were married? A young, young married? Yeah. Like that boat? That would be one of them. You know, I never got in that boat. I was afraid it, it'd sink. I'm surprised <laughs> I let you take the kids in it. You didn't mind me taking my mom out in it. <laughs> I just did. And, and the kids. Right, right. I um, didn't get in it. So when we first, I think a f- couple of episodes into us starting this podcast, we had mentioned that we hadn't really owned any boats before. And I suppose by that, what we really mean is power boats, like real boats. We'd but we owned, did. Well, no, yeah, but it... Right? Nothing that would have given us any kind of experience in how to manage a boat or live on a boat or use a boat properly. How did we even tow that boat? It was, what, 14 feet? Um, did my van pull that boat? Yeah. Hmm. Do we want to talk about that a little bit first? Should we talk about what we were going to talk about two <laughs> weeks ago? <laughs> sure. Okay. Well, we can start there then. Did you grow up with boats? Any boat at all? Um, so I'm going to say no instinctively, but now I actually have to think about whether or not that's true. I mean, I've gone through pictures that your mom has given us. I've not seen a boat. I've seen you like even playing at a lake and stuff like that. Probably not at a lake. Probably at the sound. No, I've you al- were at a lake in like Kentucky with your grandma. The oh. picture I'm thinking of, you're like three. I don't even remember that. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't remember. Right. I was three, but I don't. I don't even. I don't remember the photo. Um, no. So, really, any of my memories, my real memories of being on water, have been here in the Puget Sound in Washington, and it's always been me on the beach, either digging up clams or you know stepping for mm. crabs or whatever. And so, um, I think. I mean, if I really, if I want to include everything, I think at one point. My parents bought a rubber raft, like 
Mm. One of the ones that like, you might get it, I don't know, like at Fred Meyer or just some oh, store. Oh, so really order. little. Yeah, yeah. No, well, not just little, but thin. Not like a a dinghy that dinghy that you use for safety on the back of a big boat, but like literally, just something to you're play supposed to just blow and... this thing up with your mouth. Right, right. Um, That's not a raft. What That's is like, it? Like a float something. But it was a raft. I mean, it was it was it was boat shaped. I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we viewed it as a boat, and we had little oars, and we had a like paddle. I mean, it was a boat. Okay. Um, but my fear was always that uh, if I was going fishing, I was going to snag it with a hook, and mm. then I would sink out in deep dark water. And so I never wanted to do that. That always freaked me out. Hmm. Um, that's probably my earliest, and I don't remember that being a particular particularly magical memory for me. Like it didn't make me go. Oh, I love this. I love being on the water. I love being on boats. Well, no, not if you were scared the whole time. Yeah. So in addition to that raft, I'm calling it a raft. I don't even know if that's the right word. Um, I don't think it is. I remember probably either an elementary school, maybe middle school. Uh, there was some sort of summer camp or something, and we were at a lake, and there were canoes. And so you could, you know, paddle around mm. in a canoe. And I remember... That being really frightening hmm. because, you know, the water is dark, but there was enough, I it's guess, a veget- canoe. Huh? It's a canoe. I, no, so I wasn't scared of the canoe. It was about looking down into the water and seeing growth coming up. And I could just see the tops. Was of, it a lake? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I could just see the tops of these, you know, aquatic plants, but I couldn't see the bottom of them. And so. Did you not swim in the lake? Um. I did, but that was sort of a roped off area. And once you got beyond that, that's where the canoes could be. Like you couldn't bring your canoe into the swimming area. Yeah. Um, but I certainly didn't jump off the canoe. Ooh. <laughs> a little bit of wind. It's getting windy. Um, I didn't jump out of the canoe into the water to go swimming. And I really didn't want to because it looked terrifying. Like it just, the, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, hmm. but it was really eerie and unpleasant. My grandma and grandpa owned a canoe, so I'm really, really used to canoeing on a lake. I grew up doing that. Well, so I pro- I, we've never, like, okay, we've been married 17 years. We've <laughs> never talked about you in a canoe. No, right, right. You have more secrets? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just trying to go through all of my... You're just now, like, sitting here really, really yeah, digging gotta, deep I, I into to... those... I have to dig a lot in order to pull some of these up. Josh doesn't remember as much as most people. I think it's because he's an only child. I think we talked about this before. I know yeah. we have. No, it's true. I don't. Ha- I don't get these stories repeated to me all the time. So I have to try to remember what things looked like. And I feel like your mom gave me a bunch of pictures at one point, but it wasn't something you look through as a child. Mm-mm, not at all. My and I know we've talked about this too. That my aunt uh, co-founded, founded. She was a co-founder. Uh, co-founder? Yeah. Of Creative Memories. Right. Uh, my grandma did scrapbooks and carried that through. So as a kid, I had photo albums. Like, so you look through them and you see the pictures. Right. And so you're retelling That's yourself. That's also yeah, retelling stories. it. So if you didn't look at pictures and you didn't have someone to share and talk to, we've got to like, we should like hypnotize you or something. There might be like <laughs> secrets. Pull or... up all the repressed memories of me being terrified of boats. I don't know. Um, no, we can't do that. You'll make me move. <laughs> can't live on a boat anymore. Um, okay, so I'm trying but to think Dark there's... water, that's a good one to know. No, dark water is always kind of freaky. I mean, me it's out. kind of freaky, but... 
But Not I, the seaweed part. I grew up in a lake playing in the, every single summer of like my life. So, yeah, so I you, mean, you swim in the, what is that called? Seaweed, right? Well, if that's what you're talking about, then yes, but I'm not, yes, it has to be because that's what you're talking about. Well, the green stuff that <laughs> yeah. comes up from the bottom. So you're talking about lakes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lake seaweed, not ocean seaweed. Right. I don't know if it's called something different or if it's just plants. I feel like we or... called it seaweed. <laughs> huh. So adding to the whole fear of dark water, lake water is I do have a tragic story that is... Seriously, not are so we much... hypnotizing you now? No, no. Just listen. Um, <laughs> shortly after high school, I had, um, I was part of a church youth group that, well, I was kind of like the youth leader because I'd already graduated. And a yes, buddy of mine, <laughs> a buddy of mine, um, who was in the youth group, his best friend in the whole world. And so, you know, by extension, they were oh, kind of buddies of oh, mine. Oh, I know where you're going with this. This is a horrible story. I, I don't want you to say it. Well, I'm already here. What if our girl's here? It's a horrible story. It's tragic. It's horrible. I don't like this story. All right. How about this? You tell your story and then I get to tell a really funny story after you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Go ahead. Um, so they were playing in the lake and I don't know if they were in a canoe or what, you know, what the situation was where they were jumping. Um, but one of the kids jumped in and did a pencil dive so it just went down his feet first as deep as he could go and his feet got stuck in the mud and literally he couldn't get out like he was actually stuck under the water and i think he was down there for 45 minutes before they were able to get him out and it was it was really hard for me because as a I mean, I wasn't there. I was, I think I was in Korea, actually, um, visiting my mom. And because I was like a youth leader uh, for these kids, I didn't feel responsible, but I felt like a really heavy, I don't know, kind of a burden, I guess, like an emotional burden, because I felt like you, it was one of my, one of the people that were, were kind of in my care, even though, I mean, I know as an adult looking back, like I I wasn't responsible. I wasn't there. I had nothing to do with it. Um, but does this carry over into a fear of the water as well? Is that where you're going with it? No, because I had those, <laughs> I had those fears beforehand. Like that was. But does it? Did it like? I don't know. Make I suppose it makes me. More? I suppose it makes me not excited about diving into water. Because in the '80s, I don't know if it happened in the '70s or '80s, but there was a, a Christian woman. So of course, it went around the churches. Uh, Johnny Erickson, who dove into shallow waters and broke her neck. Yeah. And there was a movie, and my parents had me watch it, and I was young, and I was terrified of diving for a really that long time. That happened in a pool or in a... Uh, in a lake. In a lake, okay. Yeah. Off of a dock. Yeah. There was a movie. It's very vivid in my head. And then she became like a... Not a famous painter, but really good at painting with her... Uh, putting the paintbrush in her mouth. And painting with her... Oh, that's... Wow. So yeah. there was like a video, but those kind of things, I think when you're a certain age, I mean, you were older than I was when they had me watch that, but it yeah. leaves like an impression and you think twice before you jump in, I think. Yeah. I had a, as a friend of mine, his sister jumped into a swimming pool um, and hit the bottom, but she just, you know, had a big scrape on her well, forehead. Well, even Hayden, we owned a pool in California. Oh yeah. She hit her chin, huh? She, she dove her chin. Yeah. too shallow. So... 
Anyway, how about my yeah. story? Because yours is just a downer. I love you, but well, I mean, bring the like. We're we're just talking low. about our experience with boats. Um, yes, but after yours, I'm surprised you live on one. <laughs> I do have better. Like experiences. all of mine are happy. All right. I don't Sorry, have everyone. A sad I, didn't mean to, I didn't mean to bum you out. Um, Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Monday Monday morning <laughs> commute like downer. <laughs> all right. Okay, so. My grandparents owned two boats, okay. a canoe, a really, really good sized canoe. Aluminum? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, an oldie, I think in the 70s or something, which when I was a kid, that didn't mean anything to me. And then my grandpa owned a old blue boat, okay. like a 14 footer. Fiberglass or wood? Fiberglass. Okay. Not wood. Um. It wasn't fancy, and I remember when we'd park it next to other boats thinking, like, like I guess I could see it looked older than other boats, but to me, we owned a boat. Yeah. As a kid. A and little I, runabout uh, lake boat. Yeah, well, and I felt like we were rich. We owned a boat. Oh. Uh, when I tell the story now, I feel like my aunts and uncles and are like, <laughs> I think I told my Uncle Jeff when he was here, and he's like... You didn't think it was old? You know, it was it was old. Yeah. But I didn't think it was old. I didn't see it as old. I just saw it as fun. Hmm. I love the smell of the gas. Um, yeah. <laughs> as it's burning. You know, like, there are smells. And so we went to this lake in Montana every year. My, my mom started going when she was in junior high, I think. So, like, early 70s, they started to go every summer. What what lake was it? Seely Lake. Seely Lake So, um... It's right above Missoula, like about an hour. Um, well, in case someone's curious, you're rolling your eyes, but maybe somebody wants to know these I wasn't things. rolling my eyes. <laughs> I was just trying to imagine where that is, but I'm geographically challenged. So I, I was know. like, oh, I don't, I have no it, idea. It didn't used to be popular, but over the years, I feel like it's gotten more so. You okay. can't just go into the campground now and find a spot like you could when I was a kid. Uh, sometimes we had a camper and camped, and sometimes we were in a tent. My grandma always had the camper. Uh so she was like the main base. My parents always bought really inexpensive campers. Like one time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, she's listening. I still love you. These are good memories, mom. Um, <laughs> My sister was on the roof helping my mom. I don't know if they were cleaning it or what, but one of them or both of them, like their legs went through the ceiling. <laughs> I don't know, like dry rot or something. What well, was it, an RV, like a driving one, or a tow behind, like a trailer camper? Trailer. We always okay. had trailers. Okay. But I always thought they were cool, no matter how old or... Even with your sister's feet dangling through the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> I remember in like sixth grade, wanting to have a sleepover for my birthday. I had a summer birthday. My birthday's the beginning of summer, so it was always like the first weekend after school mm. gets out. So let's have a sleepover in the camper. Um. Anyway... They're, they're good memories. I, I had a really good childhood. I feel extraordinarily blessed. So back to the smells of the boat. Well, I was going to say, I don't know. Other people have smells for things, right? Like, so my mom always brought licorice, uh, Twizzlers. Okay. So when I smell that, I think of Sealy Lake. Mm. When I smell um, the kind of gas that, I don't know if it's, it's not a different kind, but whatever the gas smelled like, the engine always makes me think of Sealy Lake too. So, mm. um, but anyway... So canoe was awesome. We would take a couple of us always with life jackets. My grandpa was always really good about that. Um, but there was like a more of a swampy area of the lake 
that we like to go. And my grandma liked when we gathered water lilies. Mm. And so we'd pick water lilies that she'd put in her camper. And I can still smell those. But it was like super thick. Uh, I couldn't tell you what a water lily smells like. Like I, I think we've talked about this before. I have some smells that I can describe <laughs> and that I, that I know Very what they are. Very few. I, I have no idea what a, what a water lily smells like. It's not a really strong smell. You just said it was really strong. Well, I don't mean like of the flowers. It's not like super potent. I know what it smells oh, like. Oh, your memory of it is really strong. I see. I see. Yes. But their smell is not a strong flower. Okay. But it's really fun when you're in the canoe and it's like super, super thick. So it's almost hard to get the canoe through there because it's like mm, lily pads. Lily pads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so those were always fun times. And Did you ever was... actually see a frog on a lily pad? No. Mm. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I just imagine they're supposed to be there because just from cartoons or whatever. Okay. So. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I know my mom listens. My grandma passed away as of this month. 19 years? 18? I always forget. Anyway. <laughs> I can think about it. Um, so she can't. She won't be listening. But my aunt Rhonda might be listening. But I do have a funny story. So. There were not great showers or bathtubs at all times in the campers. <laughs> and where we stayed, there was really only outhouses. Do you want me to pause for the sirens? It's not. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, you have to now because you just said all that and now we're thinking about it. But <laughs> go back to there weren't showers. So there weren't showers, like public showers. There's only outhouses. Okay. So. Wait, an outhouse is just a toilet right or do you mean like a public restroom that has showers there with well them? it's like campground style so you know the stinky ones where it's like a hole in the ground ew you know like it's just a really big hole in the ground and you can you don't ever look down there i actually i can't figure out what you're describing like i i can't relate to this you've been there but i don't know i mean there weren't <laughs> toilets well no you sit on a toilet but it's just a giant hole down below like if you lost a child down there that was also one of my fears if you went down there i don't know what happens to you like if you climbed into the well if toilet you fell into it <laughs> have you ever fallen into a toilet no but maybe somebody could you put actually, a small child actually you know don't i, I can't I don't I, know i can't no, 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 this, this isn't my story this is my mom's story wait um, let me tell my canoe story <laughs> retail poop story we always talk about poop <laughs> All right, go so, ahead. So, we kids at night for like shower time, they would basically, I mean, it's summer, so it's not too cold. They would they would line us up and squeeze a little bit of shampoo in each of our heads because after we're done swimming for the day and we'd like kind of scrub it and then we'd run into the lake and rinse off. That was our bath. Okay. Well, for some reason, one year, my grandma, I don't know, she got it in her head that the best thing to do would be to, to take the canoe out to like the middle of the lake. Okay. And like jump in naked <laughs> and shower or like bathe. Your grandmother? Uh-huh. And she convinced I know my aunt, but I can't remember if my mom is involved. But I know <laughs> for a fact <laughs> that my grandma and my aunt did this. Okay. So they take the canoe. But they didn't go very far. Like, we could still see them. Okay. And so they stood up 
to like jump in and they fell like they it capsized or whatever and so they fell in and we the whole shore saw my grandma's butt as she fell in or like as she was falling in nice and so we're all on shore laughing again i was really little the details could be foggy my mom will correct me i'm sure but and that's okay the point is like she lost her clothes i think her bra that lake took a lot of our stuff, though. I mean, I remember glasses flying. You know, you lose stuff when right, you're on the water. Right. Um, but when she came back into shore, I mean, we, we kind of were like, well, we all saw you. <laughs> you didn't go very far. <laughs> so was it her intention to, like, I don't know. jump into the canoe or jump out of the canoe while naked? See, and that's then the thing. I was a child. her soap out of her hair. Or so I guess hair. I'm blurry on what her intentions were. I just know that she fell in naked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good enough. <laughs> so that's my funny canoe story. But also the the boat that my grandpa had, I grew up boating. Okay. Um, being pulled on rafts and going to the middle lake and all just jumping in and swimming in the water, uh, building sandcastles, the, the whole times, bit. The times that I've been to Sealy Lake with you... Uh, which of a couple of times, mm-hmm. I I've been on a sea do. Correct, because my grandpa sold the blue boat when my grandma passed away. Uh, so okay. then so we yeah, so rented yeah. ski doos the last couple times we've we've uh, met ski-dos up. Ski doos or sea doos? <laughs> I don't know. The little fast, loud ones. Yeah, <laughs> that does describe all of them. But anyhow, one or the other. Yeah. I remember I wanted to buy the boat, um, but I think at the time, like, we didn't have a lot of money. We had no place to put it. My grandpa just wanted to get it sold. Yeah. So. Somehow, that got connected to the idea of us buying a small fiberglass boat when we lived in Lacey, Washington. I think because shortly after he did sell it, I was really upset. Bless you. Um, he. So I think I convinced you that we should have one. And we we finally had. You know, I think we had some kids by the time, and it was. I those were my best memories. I wanted to recreate them. Yeah. So at some point, we started getting into little boats, and I remember I bought a small, like little tiny, six foot fishing boat. And it had a little electric trolling motor on it, or maybe even a little three horsepower gas motor. I don't remember. Um, it was six feet. Yeah, you're six feet. Yeah, it was a small boat. It was I a don't really small that boat. One. Um, and you had stuff on the side of that house that I would ignore the fact that you had it. It was like a little junkyard, and so I never <laughs> went over there. All right. I know bo- boats. Boots. <laughs> I know boats were over there. Yeah. I just yeah. So didn't so at look. some point, I got into having little boats. I don't know why. Like I liked fishing. And yeah. For any one of our listeners that <laughs> actually fishes um I'm not actually a fisherman. Like I don't actually catch anything ever. I, I just I was like gonna say, being if out there. We maybe have mentioned it that you've not caught. I think the first time you caught something was like 3 years ago. <laughs> right. So um using a lure that someone else gave me because mine was <laughs> not working. Um anyhow so little tiny rafts, little tiny boats. At some point, something happened where I suddenly liked the idea of propelling myself out into water 
and I, I didn't care if I had oars or if I had a little electric motor. Like just it's it became really exciting to me. And I don't I don't know hmm. exactly what caused that. The first little fishing boat that I got, I know it was like two hundred and eighty dollars. Like I, I kind of vaguely remember that. And <laughs> that I remember, you remember, okay. I just remember when I first took it out, it felt so freeing. Like, do you remember that during that time in our marriage, like every Saturday morning? I would get up really early and I would just take the boat out to, I don't remember which, I think Hicks Lake is the lake that I'd, that I'd go to in Lacey. And I would just go out and I'd never catch anything, but I would be out there just trolling around the lake for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then I'd come home. And uh, the kids would ask me if I caught anything because I'd always say I'm going to go fishing. But it, it wasn't really about fishing. It was about boating, I guess. It was about just being on the water when it was really nice and calm. I don't remember. Huh. But you do remember the boat I broke and then fixed with screws and a piece of sheet metal and tar. (laughs) Yes. But mostly because we have pictures of that boat and you took your mom and the girls out on that boat. Yeah. So that boat was bigger. Um, I don't... I sold the first one. I'd say at least 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It, it, yeah, it, it did stuck out. It, it stuck out further than than the. We had an eight foot trailer, and it was longer than the trailer oh. by a little bit. Um, and I held it down with ratcheting tie downs because it wasn't a boat trailer; it was a flat trailer. So like a boat doesn't sit properly on it, and so I used ratcheting tie downs to just hold it in place. And at one point, I was driving, and I heard a big pow, like a, and I thought that I blew a tire or something, and I pulled over and. <laughs> the ratcheting tight the straps actually busted in uh, mm. the side of the boat that's how you broke it that and that's how i broke it and uh i didn't know i never paid attention to how high the water level was so i thought well i can't just jump into the water with this boat with a big hole in it even though it was up pretty high on the boat so i turned around came home and i was a bit frustrated for a while and then i thought well i can probably fix this and back then i didn't know I, I I knew nothing about working with wood whatsoever. Yeah. What I did know is to prevent water from getting in, I need to patch, I need to use something to cover the hole. So I cut it out, um, cut out all the jagged edges, and uh, I had a big sheet of metal. So I used sheet metal screws, <laughs> and I uh, basically screwed a big metal plate onto the spot where I had broken the boat. And then I used a bunch of, like roofing tar to seal it all i had no idea what i was doing no and i think anyone that saw the boat (laughs) knows uh you who didn't know anything about but it held and uh it turns out it didn't matter anyway because the water level never got that high even with like four of us in the boat yeah well the kids were really little charlie was like not even two right (laughs) and you let me have her on the boat well they were all in life jackets and you didn't go very far right I mean, right. the pictures I have, you're like right at shore. Oh, sure, it was right. more to, I don't know. I felt like it was more to show that it could float. <laughs> it was actually more just to take them out. Like I, I, even with the busted up boat, I still liked the idea of, of being mm. out there. Something freeing about it. Even, like even in a lake, um, just the idea that I could go places that I couldn't go just by walking. I, I couldn't just get there with by car. It ha- I had to you, have a special thing to, to do, do that. Do you feel that way with this boat then? Is it the same feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Just um, 
there's been a couple of times where like, I don't know, we never really talked about this, but when we've come back and forth from up north, um, going under the Tacoma Narrows Bridge is strangely emotional for me because I've driven over it so many times, but going under it. Yeah, it kind of feels it, special to go under it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's that whole, there's no other way for this to happen. There's no other way one can get here except by boat is a really meaningful thing to me. I don't know. I don't know why. So somehow then we did get to a bigger power boat. I think I saw it on, on Craigslist or something Craigslist like that. Yeah. And was like, hey, we can afford this one. And it, back then, if I said <laughs> we could afford it, there's probably something wrong with it. Yeah, we didn't have a lot of money. No. Um, so we bought it. We also didn't at that point learn about the the inverse relationship between the asking price for a boat and the total price for a boat, right? Like the more, the, the less it costs, the more expensive it's going to be. Oh, to, right. To have for it. a yeah. boat. Yeah. Um, this particular boat um, was a fiberglass boat about 17 feet, I think. And I don't know if it was that big. It was. It like I've got the paperwork for it. Oh really? Yeah. It sh- like you know when you do the verification. Well, then my grandpa's boat was probably that big. Okay. Like bigger than fourteen feet. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway. whenever I have to a- answer the verification uh, verification questions, like when we log into our bank or whatever, it asks. You what should kind- not tell that information. That's- it asks for the year and all that too, but it. Good night. <laughs> Anyhow. People get like hacked nowadays, you know. I do. Um. So we bought this boat. It was like seven hundred bucks. And it came with a trailer and a and motor. And it ran. See, that's the thing. Like, it, well, it it sputtered. It didn't, like, run, run. Well, we took it out onto the lake. See, this is where the story gets kind of funny. I know that we got stuck out there. Yeah. It stopped working. And then when it did work, you could only turn it in one direction. So it took us a long time to get back to land. <laughs> so, uh, if you've been following along on our show, you know that kind of recently I replaced the steering mechanism on our dinghy. Oh, okay? I never made the connection. And that's something that, for me, was a particular triumph. It wasn't just, oh, I fixed a thing. It was, I fixed something that previously had defeated me. Mm-hmm. When we had this other boat, uh, this the steering wheel didn't turn at all. Right. And I had no idea why. I didn't know how the system worked. Um, and right. So when we took it out in the lake, I feel like we had an oar that we would turn it off, turn it where we needed to go, turn it on. If it started going the wrong way, then turn it off. <laughs> so that's, an oar. that's partially true. We probably looked really funny to people out on the lake that day. So it gets worse. What we actually had was uh, a small three horsepower gas motor that I was able to attach to that boat as well, knowing that mm. the the big engine was probably going to fail on us. Like it was something we were just like testing it to see if it would work, and um, <laughs> it it ran for a little bit and then it stopped. And of course we couldn't turn. It. And so the only way to operate it safely, the, the boat at all, was to use the little tiny motor and to try to, to try to get back to shore with that. So that's actually what happened. And I don't think. I know it wasn't in, like, the best shape, but I don't remember it being in horrible shape. No, it wasn't ratty. Right. So we had no problem reselling it, and whoever bought it could knew probably knew more about boats. Yeah, I think I sold it for, like, 300 though. So I, we well, did lose some money on it. And also because we were moving. Oh, yeah. We were desperate to get rid of it anyway. Right. Right. We were moving to California. 
didn't want to move a boat. That is one of those things that should have taught us that we needed to learn a bit more about a thing before we really got into it. But that's not how we roll. (laughs) That's not that's not how we do anything. The next boat was 41 feet and sinking. (laughs) Right. So we did not learn a lesson from that boat. Did we do any boating in California at all? No. Like no lake excursions, nothing at all, huh? Mm-mm. Wow. I did in high school. No, right. But we, in our marriage, we were in California for seven years and we didn't do any boating at all? No boating. We went to the coast a couple times. Not, but, but just, didn't get on a boat, right? Right, just, just to go to the, to the sand or, or the yeah. beach. Um, wow. I mean, <clears throat> somewhere in there is when we, we did a Sealy Lake trip. Yeah, and then but we're on the has, sea-dews, yeah. Right, it has nothing to do with California. Oh, right, yeah, that's that's also true. So, hmm. not until we got back here. Yeah. Um. And then you made a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I, and I don't know what triggered that either. Um, I can't we remember. We moved back, and we... Um, you come up with projects sometimes, I don't know where the connection is. Some of the times, I... Am feeling kind of some pent up creativity. Like I haven't had an, an outlet for a while. Right, but why a boat? Um, so even though you're feeling like, oh, I need to build something, who says? And of the things I want to build, a boat. I don't what I don't know what triggered that. I remember researching it a ton though. Like I liked the mm-hmm. idea of having uh, a tiny little boat. Like I think maybe since we were back in Washington, there was a part of me that said. I want to kind of have what we had before we left. Like I wanted mm. to have another small boat and I'd get online and they were a lot more expensive than what I wanted to pay for them. And so I thought, huh, I wonder if, you know, if I can make a small boat, if I, there was a kit for it. Right. And this particular boat that I made, uh, if I remember correctly, it was designed to be made out of a single piece of plywood. Like you can make it out of just one sheet of plywood. Uh, I feel like it's three. It is not. It was one and a half. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't three. Maybe one and a half, but it's n- not one. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. Or it's two. Think of the sides. Anyway. Anyhow, so that boat was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, And I took the kids out on it. Yeah. We went and out to the lake a few times and... Made something that floated. I was super excited about that. I didn't get that. In it. The kids all did. I know. They thought it was fun. Um, I thought it was fun to... S- you know, stand on shore and take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> we should put those pictures on the Instagram account. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. And I don't know if that also made me want to, you know, eventually get onto a bigger boat. I ended up selling that boat. And I don't remember if it was because we were moving or just yes. because I wanted to. Joshua. Uh-huh. It is always because. <laughs> we're always getting rid of stuff because we're moving. We're moving. <laughs> if in doubt, go with that. All right. So we moved. So we moved. And then we moved again. And now here we are on a boat. Mm-hmm. So that is the story we planned on telling last week <laughs> when we got interrupted by our Bugs oldest on a boat. today. Then the reason for our the name of our podcast is that... Yeah, so... A couple of times a year, we have actually. I, I actually have no idea how often it happens. Um, isn't it a full moon? Maybe it's every full moon, or maybe it's like a super full moon. Yeah, or something. there's there's a couple things. It's that like have a to, mega full 
It's not just a regular full moon. It's got to be a special full well, moon. Well, it's a combination of a couple things. It's it's how close the moon is, how close the sun is. I mean, there's actually a few things that, mm. that are involved. And so uh, however often it happens, we are ha- experiencing uh, what's called a king tide. Which I know it's happened since we've lived here. Mm-hmm. So we moved into the boat October 3rd. So this is right. our second one. Yeah, I think you're right. Because we've seen the flats behind us before. Right. So during the king tides, it's it's not just high tide. It's high. It's extreme high tide and extreme low tide. And what's, I mean, it, it the the swing from high tide to low tide around here is kind of dramatic to begin with. I mean, I think on any given day, it's a 14 foot swing, mm. um, just kind of naturally. And I think that maybe we're closer to a 20 foot swing during king tides. Like mm. I think that I think it's a 17 high and then sometimes negative three below sea level low. Like it is it is strange, actually. And so when yeah. it's really high and we're walking the docks, um, the shore, I mean, there there's literally the water is lapping up against the grass in on the shore. I mean, it's uh, it, it actually freaks the dog out. He's you know barking mm. at it, wondering what that noise is just because the water there's splashing that's not normally there. Um, but the high tide doesn't really affect us in any way. No, I mean, we don't feel it. Um, it's just neat right. to look at just because of how high it gets underneath. We're not going to the... drift away all the pile, pylon mm-hmm. are high, so it right. doesn't affect us. Low tide Low tide does. is different. <laughs> yeah, so one unique thing about where we are located is when the tide is really, really low, uh, the lake gets opened up, and so we have this rush of water that comes in from the lake, and we're pretty close to that. And then you add to that the fact that we're in rainy season, so that lake, since it's an artificial lake, gets full really fast. So not not last night, the night before we went for a walk and it's like a raging river where they've opened the lake into yeah. the sound. Um, and it causes quite a current behind our boat. Right, right. More like a river current. Right. And it makes the water really muddy. It gets kind of gross. Yeah. Um, Which you notice because our toilet sucks the raw water w- in. raw water from below us. And you'll notice it's kind of muddy. Yep. Um, the other thing that happens is immediately behind our boathouse, the water is ordinarily shallow. Like even when it's a normal tide right. um, or normal low tide without being dramatically low, uh, there's areas where the water is one or two feet deep. Right. So we don't have a lot of room to get out. It's not hard to get out, but we just kind of know we have to hug the boats. And even though it looks like there's... A ton of just open water, there is not. Yeah, and a, you would only know that expanse, if yeah. you either knew the area or if you were reading a chart or you had the special app on your phone. Right. And so if you happened to uh, have the tragic combination of not being familiar with the area, uh, not looking at any charts or checking your GPS plotter or not checking your depth sounder, and also, we're piloting a sailboat with a really dark. deep keel in the dark. <laughs> um, you might be like the poor gentleman who uh, was piloting his boat out in the shallow water and uh, got yeah, stuck. Yeah, so we were putting the kids to bed. We're telling everybody, you know, go to bed. It's 1030. And I look out back and we both were like, there's a boat behind us. That's... Right, and pretty far by, like not close, not hugging the boathouses right. so, far enough out where, like, that's a problem. And we kind of know that yacht club members know where they can go, so they usually are right behind us when they go by. Right. 
So this boat was pretty far out. And I think at that time we weren't sure where the tide was at. Right. So I had you run out and check. We can check really easily because yeah. we run out to one of the pylons next to our boat. And depending on, you know. <laughs> yeah, if the pylons are tall, it's if low they're tide. tall, <laughs> then the tide is going out. And then you looked on your phone. Uh-huh. And we were and in we the were, middle of a low, low, We were getting low. just a couple hours from that extreme low. Yeah. So you tried radioing him. No out, answer. Tried hailing him on the uh, the local to, channel. To just say, hey, you're in shallow water. Yep. Uh, I don't know if he, again, he. it seemed like he wasn't familiar with their area because he went past us, realized there's it's a dead end. Yeah, there's no outlet there. So he turned around and in the midst of his turning around, he got stuck. Yeah, I noticed that his boat was swiveling in place and he was revving his engine trying to get mm. unstuck. And so... Uh, Kendra and I just kind of sat and watched him from the back of our boat for a little bit. And finally, I decided, you know, I'm going to see if I can tug him out of there with my dinghy. Yeah, I did not agree with this because I didn't think a dinghy could move a stuck boat. But it did move it. I mean, it caused it to swivel some more. Yes, but I knew where he was at. I was surprised he got as far as he did without getting stuck. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I... I, And I was worried you were going to hit bottom. Yeah. I mean, if if the dinghy hit the bottom, like the bottom would the bottom of the dinghy is going to hit the ground. It's the motor. And so right. the, but the motor has a tilt lift. So it, that would I wasn't too concerned about that. There's a there's a guard in front of it. So um anyhow, it's pouring raining. Um and so it's we dark. um the dinghy needed some more air to be pumped into it. So I spent, you know, a good minute pumping air into it and uh lowered the dinghy off the back of the boat, jumped into it motored out there to the guy um he was really grateful just to have someone trying to help him and uh tossed him a line tried pulling uh but the dinghy is not i mean it's it's not very heavy it doesn't have a lot of mass and so it's not quite like a tugboat right um it did cause the boat to swivel a little bit uh, but it wasn't going to go anywhere and so he actually asked if i could um run a line from his boat all the way to the dock which was like 100 feet away Oh, um, or more. Yeah, and it it wasn't gonna work. Like there was there was no way, and I don't know no. what he was hoping he could do. Um, no, and in the process, I walked out there, and you were kind of further away from him because you were trying to see how much line he could, you know, gather together to get how far he could, and he was not happy. He was shouting <laughs> and cussing. I and, couldn't hear it because the end, the little dinghy right. motor was pretty loud next to me. He was saying, "Why aren't there?" like signs or markers <laughs> or something. And all I could think of is, you know, as boaters, now that we've been boating long enough, I can say that we're boaters. You know, we've learned that we rely mostly on a chart, mm-hmm. which we do most of our charts electronically. We don't use the paper ones. I know that we've met people that still use the paper ones, but we just use our phones, which is great because it also tells us where the tide is at. Right. Which would have then definitely said, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, because not only is it shallow, it becomes a mud flat. Yeah. So the spot where he was in, um, and we didn't immediately, I mean, I, well, Kendra probably did just because pay- she pays attention to this sort of thing. Um, but I didn't immediately know it. But literally where he got stuck at the lowest tide during a king tide time uh 
it becomes ground. Like right. the, the tide's so far out, you could just hop out of your boat and walk. No, the last time we had a king tide, I actually told you, we could never leave. I would not want us to leave. Yeah. Just backing up, I'd be a little bit afraid that just that amount of feet would get us too close to ground. No, for sure. So I wouldn't have us leave in a king tide. Yeah. So I knew for sure he was stuck and he was tipping over and tipping over really fast because then he was also in a current that was yeah. pushing him sideways. So uh, sailboats can, uh, I guess if they've got a, I mean, just because they have a deep keel, um, they can rest on solid ground and just be sort of well, tipped over. Right. But our boat could rest on solid ground and we wouldn't really be tipped over. True. If we ran aground, oops, sorry, I hit the mic. If we ran aground, we'd just sit and also wait it out. Yeah. But I wasn't sure how much a sailboat tipped over. I mean, I was watching it tip and tip and tip. and <laughs> It was pretty dramatic. <laughs> and I'm like, it's on its side. And and the current's pressing up against it. And, right. And so I yeah. didn't know what holes in the boat are getting filled with water, what the gas in his engine is doing, because now right. he's sideways. So I ran out to him again after the failed attempt at tugging him away. And asked him, I said, hey, your boat's tipping. And he's like, oh, no. Uh, do you want to hop on the dinghy? Do you want to just, you know, at least, you know, get to shore? And he's like, no. I'm fine. Um, yeah, he was kind of grumpy. Yep. I And I get it. I, I mean, his boat hit the ground. Right. But he seemed to not have a radio on. He seemed to not be using charts of any kind. Mm-hmm. And somehow unaware that the tide was really low and it's dark outside. It didn't seem like the best idea to be out boating. Yeah, you're no, you're absolutely right. And it's not like we put giant glowing freeway signs That's anywhere. Saying, yeah, shallow. Here, I mean, we've been boating yeah. for a while. There's no signs out in the water. In case people who don't boat are listening, there's no signs. Right. There's red and green lights that will tell you, like which, which you can't see. Wait. Well, I know I can't, but I'm just talking about other people. <laughs> like, that's why I don't boat at night. But there are lights. Uh, there are some markers, but right. not necessarily where it would tell you where the tide is at. Right. That's something you're just supposed to you're know. You're just supposed to yeah. look at whatever you're using to navigate your boat. Right. And then you should always have a radio on. Absolutely. Because we would have told him as he's passing to come closer to us. Right. Uh, but he didn't ha- seem to have one on. Well, as it turns out, um, sailboats, you know, kind of tipping on their side when they run aground or run in a shallow water. The, the, you know, the upside is it's mud. It's not rocks and, and coral. So he didn't have to worry about And he was kind of on boat. a hill. So when he, it was totally on its side, we, which we could see around midnight, which is when it was low. We checked on it one more time. And he was definitely on the mud, but he was on sort of a slope in his favor. So yeah, that was good. Right. Um, and so I just knew, you know, the, I think the lowest tide happened at around 1220. So in two, three hours, the tide would be back up again. And then he was gone by morning. So he was probably fine. And we didn't stay up to watch. No, no, we weren't weren't that interested. We need beauty sleep. (laughs) Not to watch and see if boats get unstuck. Right. My biggest concern was that he would fall asleep and then his boat would drift. Would drift. Yeah, that would... But it would so, drift far away from us because of the current. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, but it is a reminder that you can't just expect to get into boating and not have an idea of all the different safety things that you need to need to be aware of. And the whole idea of but wherever. But we did. Yeah, yeah. Wherever, <laughs> wherever you're going to go, 
you need to know what the conditions are there, right? Yeah, because um, yeah, he kind of yelled out like something about in an inlet like this, there should be markers. Right. But we've been in several inlets. There's no markers in any of the inlets we've been in. Right. So. Um, now, when we talked about our first excursion on our stinky boat, the the the, uh, the Matthews that we had, we... I mean, there are some things that we did that was that was probably unsafe. Like we didn't fully understand the condition of the boat we were in, but we did. Somebody have Somebody else told us about the radio. Yeah, we, I mean, we we made sure the radio worked. We made sure that we got insurance. We made sure that. But only because, as we told people, they told us, like, yeah. "Oh, don't you have?" But we wouldn't have done it unless some other people had advised us. Right, but I think if we hadn't gotten that advice, that if we hadn't gotten that advice, I we probably wouldn't have gone forward. Yes, we would have. I don't know. No, so for me, safety is pretty important. Yeah. So the idea of running aground seems like it would have been bad enough that I had to have known exactly what charts to download, what GPS systems to have, and all that. Like that is something on my end. Yeah. Being the captain of the boat, that I felt like I would have needed to have done in order to right. to go forward. And again, that was another Yacht Club member when we looked at her boat. She was still using charts and was telling me that I was first mate and I'd have to learn charts. And I was like freaking out, you know, all these charts for how many charts we'd need for the kind of ground we were going to cover that day. Right. And then I think you found it online. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, modern technology. If we have GPS. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's it's good to have redundant systems for that and all that as well. Although, um, yes, we probably should have charts on the boat and still learn them in case of, I don't know, Armageddon. I would <laughs> I would say absolutely. But did you know that um, NOAA, National Oceanic, and NOA, something, something, I don't remember what it stands for. I but, know NOAA in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. I think that's, that's intended to be related. Oh, because um, he had an ark? He had a boat? They're no longer going to publish physical charts. Like, that's actually a thing that is going away. So will charts just become really expensive because you might want them for? No, because you always want updated charts. Like that's part of the thing. Like if you if you if you have ten year old oh. charts in your boat, you have outdated charts that might not take into account a sunken something. You know, a sunken vessel that. So you can't... they're even just settling on. Oh, we have electronics. Yeah. But what if? So, yeah, I mean, download them. Download new charts, I guess, for the area you're in, and print them out. Because I think printing out is is the. Like, that's how you make sure that you still have something in case that the, your electronics fail. Right. Um, I mean, not that I'm a doomsday person, but there's, like, Hollywood lives for those movies. Yeah. Zombie apocalypse Right. And all that. Like, you know, all electronics <laughs> have died. Yeah. I'm just saying. Then, that, well, then what are we going to do anyway? Like, we're going to row our boat? <laughs> oh, yeah. We need fuel. <laughs> and power and water. Yes. So I don't know. It's Armageddon. Anyhow, um, last night trying to rescue the uh, the gentleman in the sailboat, um, or at least try to free his boat out. It did make me suddenly respect the the potential danger in doing some of the things you're doing. Like, okay, mm. um, I, I just mentioned a second ago how you know we always make sure that we're doing safety first and all that. But I, I'm starting to think of the things that. Because I was such, I was in such a rush to try to help him. You know, I wanted to be a hero or whatever. I know. There's some things that I didn't do that I should have done. I know. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I, I'll I own was it. 
I was frustrated with you. So like I wanted you to be more prepared to go help him. Right. So I had multiple life jackets, none of that were in the dinghy, none of which I put on. Right. So that's that's error number one. Mm-hmm. Um, the the motor for the dinghy, you know, it's a key. It's got an ignition key and it's got a dead man switch, so that um, it's designed so that if a person falls out of the boat, it dislodges the safety um, on the motor, so that the motor turns off, so you know the boat doesn't just keep going. And I didn't connect the safety, uh, the safety harness for do that. Do you have like a do it first, think later thinking process maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I, there there are some, no, I, here's what it actually is. If I have any sense that th- something is dangerous, then I will take a lot of precaution, right? I honestly thought. I had every sense that that was dangerous. I was actually thinking if you sunk the dinghy or something happened to it because I really didn't think a dinghy could move a sailboat. I actually thought like, do I grab life jackets and swim out to you? Do I try to wrestle down the paddleboard and the water is cold and gross? I was actually thinking how I would rescue you. So I didn't have all those thoughts when I did. I did. But you know, not to be, I guess it's sexist. I feel like often moms, wives tend to play that role. I don't know. The safety first piece? Yeah. <laughs> it's know. usually guys who are getting injured because they right, they're like, I'm going to go stupid. fix it or save it or just, just do. And yeah, maybe. You don't take that just one more second to think of <laughs> <laughs> what if this happens because of this? Well, that's fair. You know, like the person who jumps into the burning house to save the person probably isn't making the second guess of what they should do. No, that's that's true. Um, the alternative in that case is no one jumps into the burning house and then everyone in the house dies. I like, suppose. I, there's and a little also, bit of you just throw caution to the wind and try to do and, the right thing. And I think because we didn't know what was happening and how he would tip over. Right. It was more like, hurry, let's go help him. Maybe we can. Maybe we can. And, and as I'm watching him tip over, I mean, I was thinking the worst. Like, he is going down. Not thinking... Oh, he's only going down because he's in the mud. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so anyway, the, the moment that I realized, okay, maybe I should take this a little bit more cautiously is, uh, one, I tossed him a line and I started moving the boat away as I was kind of pulling on it. And my first thought was, huh, I need to make sure that I don't get this line tangled up in the propeller. Yeah. Because we've done that before. Right. And I actually was yelling at you, but I didn't know if you could hear I, me. I couldn't hear you at all. <laughs> um, so that was concern number one. And mm-hmm. so I and I actually thought about that. And I thought, okay, I need to somehow keep holding the line oh, up to so prevent that from happening. So you only learn from past mistakes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and then as I was, you know, I was motoring the boat a little further away from the sailboat and I was, you know, the line was... Uh, kind of running through my hands, I thought, huh, what if a knot formed and suddenly wrapped around my wrist or caught onto mm-hmm. my leg as I'm moving the boat forward? If if that happens, suddenly I'm hooked to this rope and I'm tossed into the water. My dinghy's going to keep flying forward. And so I started running all those suits. And I don't know if you knew this. I, I don't think you could see what I was doing. I started slowing all my actions down. Like, when I first started, I first started pulling on the the sailboat when I was getting it to pivot. Uh, I was actually just kind of like running it and, and pushing it hard. And as soon as I saw, kind of like saw my circumstances, I thought, oh, wait a minute. This is how accidents happen. Mm-hmm. So I actually did slow down quite a bit. That's why I wasn't really pushing really hard to get to the dock. 
you know, when I was near that expensive yeah. boat to, you know, I, I didn't want to hit anything because at that point I'd already um, realized, oh, okay, this is actually a bit more dangerous than I think it is. I think I like 41 year old Josh a little bit better than 26 year old Josh. <laughs> I mean, I still like both of you, but uh-huh. this more, a little bit more cautious 41-year-old, I'm digging him a little bit more. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you find safety sexy. <laughs> well, you know, I want to keep you around yeah, and all fair. your fingers and toes. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> all right. Well. Anyway, so because you started a story that I interrupted you to, I'm trying to decide if you want to swing back to that because people are thinking, what happened to your mom in the outhouse? Nope, that'll be a story for another time. But we already and like you know talked about poop, so you just... no, we're already an hour in. Oh, I... you want to leave the poop for another poop day? Y- yep that that okay. one that's a cliffhanger that I might circle back to uh, <laughs> later on with my mom's permission. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you that too. I right. I outed my grandma, but she's not going to be mad. No, and my mom will laugh. Yeah. I'm not wheezing anymore. Oh, good. Well, on that note, I think we can wrap this up then. (laughs) Now that you're not wheezing. (laughs) I love you. I love you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Uh, Make sure to stop by dropanchorpodcast.com to see what we're doing, both uh, in pictures and uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. We've got all the links there. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week.